Uh, first of all, I'd like to take a minute to thank you for coming here today, uh, traveling all this way. Yes. Uh, I know you've been on a little bit of a clinic tour for the last couple of days, so you're probably a little bit tired, a little bit run down. It's yeah, hot Well, outside, you know, that's what caffeine know? is for. It's, a, it's the gift that keeps on giving. That's right. I just had to chug a Red Bull. Yes. To, to uh, you know, be ready for this because the day has been so hard already that I was like, man, I'm not enough. I'm going to make it through this, especially since we took farm animals as a topic out of, of the contention. Yeah. All right. So mm -hmm. anyhow, so thank you very much for coming here. Well, it's good to be back. Um, yeah. I guess you were here maybe about a year ago or was it two years ago? All I my days it, run together. I think it's a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, but I think it, it was indeed a Fishman event, if I'm not mistaken. It was. Yes. It was. I remember. Uh, well, so good. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. Yeah. Um, so we have our own Island Music podcast. It's called Overdrive and Determination. And the idea behind this is we like to talk about musical-related journeys. Yes. So we like to hear your journey from, you know, maybe getting your first guitar all the way through how you got to where you are today. Uh, I have a lot of crazy questions that I'll ask you. All right. Uh, you know, to keep it interesting kind of thing. Uh, but really kind of what we try to do is give our customers and our listeners an insight to... Um, your journey and, you know, positive things that helped you along the way mm -hmm. and uh, maybe inspire some people to, to practice or to keep playing or yes. to get out there and take that gig or, or do something a little bit different. So um, I'm all for it. It sounds great. All right. Very enthusiastic. You were probably the most enthusiastic guest that I've had so far. I really like this. Well, all right. I can dig it. Makes it easy. I'm all in. You know, I get to play <laughs> guitar for a living and, uh, you know, and that's not bad, is it? That's right. That's what I always say. Life could certainly be a lot worse. Yes. Like I try to tell the guys here, like we're inside of a nice air-conditioned building. Yes. It's literally 100 degrees outside. We're talking world. about guitars. We are surrounded by the coolest gear that there is. Right. Um, we're not digging ditches. We're not doing accounting work. Well, some of us here do accounting work, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I say you have a different speech when I talk to them. Um, <laughs> but uh, all in all, we get to be around music and play guitar and talk to people about music for a living. Yes. So it's totally awesome. Um, so if you're ready, I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Let's do it. And then uh, I'll kind of open up the floor to you to uh, give me some you know, awesome insight. No problem. Uh, so first thing I like to do is ask the guests, what are you working on these days? What are your projects um, and what, what are your current musical goals? Well, um, about, uh, about a year ago, I started a new ensemble with uh, my son plays drums. My son is 23 years old and he's, uh, um, he's quite a skilled drummer, I have to say. I mean, not to... I mean, let's put it this way. It's it's not because of nepotism he's employed in my uh, in, in my band? ensemble. He, okay. he has he has powers. And he kept on telling me about this organ player that he'd been playing with up in Minneapolis. I live in Milwaukee, and uh, my son went to school in Minneapolis at this McNally Smith College of Music where I actually taught for a, a minute. And, um, and so he's got a lot of musical friends up there. And so he was up there talking to me about this organ player. He'd always come up, Dad, you got to hear this organ player. I'm like, yeah, Minneapolis is five hours away. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long way. But he kept, he was persistent. He's like, Dad, we got to jam with this, this organ player. So to make a long story short, this, this organ player came um, to Milwaukee to buy a Leslie speaker from somebody in town. And my son kept on saying, hey, Toby's going to be in town on Thursday. We really should jam with him. And I travel quite a bit, as sure. you can imagine. So when I'm 
when I'm home, you know, the priority of doing a jam with one of my son's friends it is, although sounds f- sounds fun, <laughs> uh, does not really strike me as a priority. So, uh, but he was insistent. He's like, "You got to hear this guy." You know, I'm like, "Oh, I'm sure he's great," because I, you know, I respect my son's opinion. So, sure. but I was like, "Dylan, you know, we have a keyboard in the basement." My son's name is Dylan. Said, we got a keyboard in the basement. Um, when he's over on Thursday, we'll just go downstairs and jam for a little while. He's like, he's not going to play that, Dad. He plays B3. That's all he plays. I'm like, well, what? <laughs> they got a sound on there that's, B, you know. Right. I'm like, like, we're just going to jam. We're just going to have fun. He's like, no, he plays B3. And I go, what do you suggest? He's like, why don't we move the furniture in the front room and and we'll just, you know, he's going to have his B3 with him to test out that that new uh, Leslie. So why don't we just move it in the front room? I go, yeah, your mom's going to dig that, you know, especially when he gets home from work. And yeah, I go, what's this thing. new mark? What's this mark on the hardwood floors? I go, well, that's where we were jamming with Toby, you yeah, know, Dylan's friend. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. So um, the day of this supposed jam, my son at the time was working in a... Uh, uh, this coffee roaster down the street, and he was working in the back roasting roasting beans. And he goes, Dad, I'm going to be home by 2. Uh, Toby's going to be here shortly thereafter. Their word, we, we should figure out what to do for it. I said, well, you know what? I'll call the studio that I've worked at before that I know has a you know, drum set set up, ready to go, B3 ready, ready to go. I said, I have no idea if the guy's even home or not. <laughs> so uh, I called him up. The guy picked up the phone. I was like, Steve, are you around today? He's like, yeah. I go, listen. This doesn't mean anything to you, but Toby's coming to town, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and um, and he plays B three, and you got a B three. Can we? Would you mind if we just came over there and and jammed for a while? And, yeah. You know, he's like, no problem. Be over at two thirty. I'll have everything wired up, ready to go. I'm like, great. Nice. Okay. So Toby comes to the house. I'm like, hey Toby, nice to meet you. I guess we're going to about you. We're yeah. going to do a lot about you. And we're now we're going to we're going to do a little jamming. So uh, we go over to my buddy Steve's studio. Uh, I bring I brought over a Vibrolox, and I had this. Uh, um, Greg Martin, uh, Collector's Choice number 15, Les Paul. Oh, wow. That I had uh, with the Peter Green wiring. So in the middle position, it got that, that out-of-phase duck walkie thing. Okay. You know? And so I bring it over there. We plug in. Uh, I get a little sound on the thing. Toby's monkeying around with the uh, the organ. Dylan hits the drums. And and Steve, the engineer, goes, well, we're good. I'm just going to record everything. We might as well. <laughs> so I go, well, let's, let's do a shuffle in G. So on the spot, I made up a head. We played it. And uh, we listened back. I was like, oh, my God, this is Sounds pretty we could, good. We could release this. To make a long story short, we ended up getting a record deal with this mascot label group, which is this label in the Netherlands that Joe Bonamassa really helped build up. I mean, not, Joe's got his own label, but they're distributed through mascot. But okay. Robin Ford's on the label, Eric Gales, uh, wow. okay. Steve Lukather. I mean, it's like a guitar player's you know, destination point, shall right. we say. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, they signed us to a multi-record deal. The first tune on the record is the first tune we ever played which i called toby arrives why wouldn't i call it <laughs> yeah that? that seems like it's meant to be yeah and this song is getting you know regular airplay on sirius sm or xm on their bb uh, king bluesville and been, they've been playing it and i just find it so funny it's like wow. you know the thing you don't expect and so we've been doing gigs with this organ trio and, it, and it's uh you know toby plays left-hand bass and some some uh foot pedals as well and uh, but it is a savage unit, so that's called the Cock Marshall Trio. Although okay. we've been saying we've been saying KMT because no one can say my name. I know I felt a little bit uncomfortable. Well, you know, it's yeah. kind of funny. I do a lot of these videos, and I say I'm Gregory Cockery. No one has any problem saying Gregory Cockery, <laughs> but if I say it's Greg Cock, they go, he's like, ha ha. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? They get very very. So, anyways, on Sirius XM, I get an email from somebody uh, from actually from uh, Facebook saying, hey, as you may have heard, we've been giving you some airplay on. I'm BB King's Bluesville, but no one knows how to say your name. So then I say, um, well, 
I'll tell you what, my, my publishing company is Rhymes with Chalk Music as a handy pronunciation guide. So just, it rhymes with chalk. So my wife, I, I kind of tell her, I say, hey, this guy's asking how to say a name, you know. And so I, I, I read the response that I, I gave to him, and she goes, he's not going to understand that. I go, what do you mean? It's, it's very simple. It rhymes with chalk. And she's like, he's not going to get it. And I'm like, you know, my wife has this habit of willing things to happen, you know. So then about a week later, um, this buddy of mine gets a hold of me from Seattle, and he texts me. He's like, hey, I just heard you on SiriusXM. Sounded great. I said, well, funny story about that. <laughs> you know, I had to tell him how to, uh, you know, say my name. I had to tell him it rhymes with chalk. He goes, oh, that may explain why they call you called you the chalk Marshall Trio. Oh, seriously? <laughs> wow, man. So then, of course, I told my wife that, you never listened to me. I'm like, you willed it to happen. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, uh, you know. It's always something. What are you going to do? I think I unplugged my earphones. Yeah, that's all right. I know what I sound like. <laughs> so uh, I'm fascinated uh, in the fact that you are in a band with your son. Yeah. To me, I think that's totally awesome. I have a seven-year-old daughter, mm -hmm. and I, in every way possible, have already tried to push on her as many different instruments as possible. So I brought home a little, you know, mini drum set mm -hmm. when she was five, and I was like, well, this would be great. You know, I'm a guitar player, and we're always looking for drummers, and... Uh, you know, like if I could just get her interested in this, I would have somebody here to drum all the time, and then you wouldn't have to worry about, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Uh, so that didn't work out. Uh, so then we moved on. It was summer, so I got a ukulele. She got a ukulele. Uh, I think she used hers more to uh, uh, train the dogs, you know. And right. Whack sure. them, alcabonk them when they didn't do as they were supposed to do. And then we moved on to the uh, Daisy Rock flower-shaped guitar. Oh, yeah. Which... Uh, uh, it's actually a pretty rocking yeah. thing. I thought about that I, one day that I got I would, a Hannah uh, Montana guitar for my for my uh, oh the telly telly ish like thing yeah yeah, yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah. Okay. with the flowers yeah, on yeah, it yeah it's got the telly pickups and everything mm -hmm. okay yeah okay that's cool so yeah but this uh, Daisy Rock guitar actually has an EMG uh -huh. style pickup in there so I was thinking like how cool would it be like you know next time I play somewhere I don't know we could do like you know some Megadeth song or something, <laughs> and I could come out with this flower guitar with the MG on it and shred. It would be like it would be glorious. You know, yeah, it'd be really cool. <laughs> but anyhow, I'll get back on, back on track. None of this has worked for me so far. So you know. Well, it was interesting because none, none of my kids wanted to play guitar. I mean, I and I my oldest is Dylan. I have four kids, two boys and two girls, and um, I ch showed Dylan some guitar stuff early on, and he got it right away. I mean, he just had the right body language, you know. Okay. He but he just had no desire. But he always wanted to play drums. I mean, even when he couldn't speak, he would just grab, would things grab thing, and, and he okay. would always instinctively know where two and four was. My friends would be over like, what's oh, with this, what, this really kid? I'm like, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, is... You know, he's just kind of on his own. Um, but my girls are into theater, so they sing and they dance and they're funny and they, you know, act and do all kinds of stuff. Um, they play a little bit of piano because they need to have enough piano so they can accompany their vocal stuff when oh, they want to learn sense. their parts. Okay, yep. uh, but I've tried to show them guitar stuff and they too learn it right away. My, my daughter Isla, who's going to be a senior in high school this year, she's actually been playing a little bit more guitar lately. And she learns it real fast. But my wife's like, you need to show them more guitar. I go, listen, what you don't understand is they need to come to me. If I go to them. Right, it, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And no one had to tell me to pray. Well, you're not, you weren't like, I'm like, this is not how this works. They need to come, come to me and then I'll show them the stuff. But if I try to foist it on them, it's never going to happen. Right. And uh, but she's playing a little bit more guitar. My, my youngest son, who's uh, going to be a freshman in high school, plays saxophone, and he's into it. So he's been practicing quite a bit. He's been playing okay. jazz, and uh, he listens to quite a bit of music and stuff too. So we'll see. 
it's <laughs> it's it's an interesting dynamic. I'm, I'm, I my oldest daughter went to school for theater, and she's going to be a, a senior this year at Loyola in Chicago as a theater major and poli sci major. And um, wow. but she's a she's a comedian. I mean, she's got skills, but she's kind of cooling to the idea of you know, she's she's realizing that you know a life in the arts for her is not. Necessary. She's meeting a bunch of people down there. They're not be able to pay their rent and so on and so forth. Right. Well, that happens in any any, exactly. And I said, as I always tell everybody, the love of what you do has to usurp the BS involved with the pursuit. (laughs) And and as long as that love is greater than the negative side of things, you're going to be fine, and things are going to work out. Yeah. And uh, but that's a hard sell, you know, for for most people. And. um, Because they're like, hey, I'm going to be great. It's going to be immediate, and people are going to—they're going to dig what I'm doing. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. it's like, nah, yeah. no. When, when I so <laughs> as a, as growing up, I always wanted to go to GIT. Oh yeah, yeah. And I thought that man, if I could just get to this school mm-hmm. and get through it, like I'm going to be the next. Eddie Van Halen. Sure. Like, there's no doubt about it. Right. Like, so I'll be famous and I'll be rich and I'll be able to buy a new guitar every week. Right. And uh, all this cool stuff will happen. And uh, so then I would talk to people on my journey to get here, and uh, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I graduated GIT, and I did this, and then I, and then I came home, and uh, y- you know, like I teach guitar lessons. You want a guitar lesson? Thing? Right. And I'm like, oh man, this wasn't this isn't wasn't what I thought. What I was what, yeah, yeah. Isn't what you know? What do you mean? And they're like, oh yeah, you know. And then we have to do, you know, I got to do three gigs a week minimum. Right. And I got to teach all day. And then, you know, I got to drive over here and do this crazy thing. And I was like, oh, wait, what happened? You're, you know, you went to GIT. Why aren't you famous? Right. And like, you know, rich and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't always work like that. So. No, indeed not. <laughs> the uh, the odds are not favorable. No, no. I'd say not. In that regard. Um, so tell me about your relationship with Fishman. I know you were obviously here once before yes. uh, for them, and uh, you've been a long time in Dorsey, and uh, obviously you love the products. Uh, tell me a little bit about your relationship with them sure. and, and how that got started. And, uh, well, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I knew it would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'd always known that Fishman was a great company, and I'd met Larry at a few trade shows over the years. Um, it, it's a weird career path that I've had and the fact that, you know, for years I, you know, I travel all over the world doing, you know, workshops, concerts, you know, clinics for Fender musical instruments. Everyone thought for years that I was a salaried Fender employee. I was never a Fender employee. I was always an independent contractor that would coincide gigs and everything else with what I did with Fender. And it was a very, you know, symbiotic relationship. I had relationships sure. with people all over the world for them. And I did a, did a bunch of different stuff for them. Um, but I was never an employee per se. Okay. Um, and then with their various different regime changes over the years, um, <clears throat> I just, for whatever reason, never reestablished, you know, the, the political you know, maelstrom that is right. any corporate entity to try to figure out how to do what I was doing. And I kept my connects with various different people across the globe and continued to do some stuff for quite some time. But um, then I started doing different things. Uh, but some of the f- old Fender faithful also left. Most of the people that I knew back in the day, uh, a, a good number of them are no longer there. Sure. And, and one of those individuals uh, by the name of Richie Fliegler was a guy who was uh, senior vice president of marketing for Fender for years. And so I worked with him quite a bit doing stuff. And he called me up one day, and I this is about six years ago, I reckon. And um, 
And he's like, uh, I was on my way to Europe with the band. You know, I was at a gate at Detroit airport waiting to go overseas, and I had some time to waste. And he called, you got a minute? And I was like, well, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> he's like, listen, I'm." He, he had his own independent marketing firm. Most of the clients he worked for were not involved in the music industry. But okay. he said, I'm involved with Larry Fishman. He got a hold of this technology for these uh, electric guitar pickups, and it's fascinating. It's it's kind of mind-blowing stuff. Um we're just kind of putting together how to voice the things, how to market them, how to do everything with them. And we thought you'd be the perfect guy to get involved. I said, well, I'm flattered, but you know, what do, what do you have in mind? And he's like, well, we need you to come on out here. He goes, and he started telling me the various different things about what these pickups do. And, and what was funny about it, I, I mean, I do, I keep myself very busy. I'm, I'm out, you know, I do stuff out at Wildwood Guitars. I'm out there once a month for about four days a month. Um, I travel with my band. I still do stuff with Hal Leonard. All, so there's only f- so many days in a month. That's right. right. Yeah, sure. And as much as this sounded like a good idea, I was like, like, whoa, whoa, this is this like a full-time job. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it, I go, I, to be honest with you, I, I really don't care, to be honest with you, because I, I'm not one of these guys who typically gets an electric guitar and goes, you know, this there's something about this I don't like. And try like 15 sets of pickups. Right. If I buy a guitar and the pickups work, we're done. You right. know what I mean? That's how I am. Yeah, yeah. If as long as they're sound, I'm like, oh, that's yeah, uh, we're you know, good. I, can, I can adapt to this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, although what he did start to illuminate to me was, listen, this is what these do. And when he said it, then I was like, okay, well, now this kind of fulfills something that I've been has been a, a quandary for years was having the ultimate set of pickups for a single coil of guitar where the pickups actually sound like a single coil or single coil Zilla, if you will, <laughs> but also have no noise. That, that was my, when he started describing it, it was what I would, years ago I was going to develop a pickup with uh, Fender when Bill Lawrence was working there, was doing stuff for them, and uh, Dan Smith was ahead of R&D. I said, I want to pick up that. Looks like a regular single coil, uh, sounds like a not kind of sounds like but a has great the clarity and the punch that you're used to exactly yeah. but has no noise uh-huh. and then I want some ability to have an incremental boost some kind of little you know maybe it's a toggle switch or a push pull but whatever I just want a little push over the edge on the guitar nothing quite as extreme as the Clapton preamp which is like 24 dB right you know? so like a 12 decibel boost for a quick solo yeah, or exactly. fill or something that would stand out a little bit better but not change. The tone, right. it doesn't distort it. It's exactly. Just... It's complementary to the first sound. Sure. You know? uh, he started describing what these pickups did. I'm like, well, holy cats. This this <sighs> could be the answer to, to what I was thinking I've about. I've ever been dreaming of. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did my Europe trip. I came back. Uh, I had to sign a non-disclosure thing because this is all new technology and yada, yada, yada. So I flew out to Boston, uh, met with the Fishman people, and after one day, I was like, Ah, oh, this this could be pretty happy. So I got then I started to get excited about what they did. And anytime I get excited about playing something, I, I just inspires me to play and do different stuff. And and one of the things that uh, was always successful about the relationship I have with Fender is that if they send me something to check out, um, they kind of know what's in my wheelhouse of what I'm going to like, which is you know most electric guitar stuff. <laughs> it's going to be in my wheelhouse. Just about everything, yeah. <laughs> um, so I get it. I find a fun way to utilize it. To, to inspire me to make music. And, and then I'm able to articulate it in a way that isn't like, well, you know, not bullet points from the marketing materials. I come up with my own vernacular and so on and so forth. So okay. that that first trip I was out with Fishman, I was playing the guitar. I was like, this is great. This You know, you could do this and this. And Larry goes, wait a minute. Do you mind if I bring in my sales staff and you just Tell say them? what you just yeah. said? Yeah. So they come in and I just started playing. I was like, check this out. You can do this. And, you know, I, I was doing all the different sounds. And then they... Um, 
And they basically, you know, Richie was out there and he's like, hey, Larry wants to Larry wants to nail you down to do some stuff. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, you could probably tell them what you wanted and, you know, they use you for doing whatever you wanted to do. So uh, I basically laid out what I thought was a, you know, a pretty interesting series of ideas, and they said it was all done in about ten minutes. It was the easiest. Oh wow! Okay. Which is the same thing with why. I mean, all these different I, for Fender for years. It was in the air of solidifying some kind of a thing. Okay. And it was it was always one of the come here but stay away type of things. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and it, what I just thought was so funny was like, well, basically this this negotiation took ten minutes and yeah. it was done. And we've been doing it for six years. It's very it's been a very successful relationship. Uh, uh, they seem happy with what I'm doing. I, I enjoy everything. What it's really been fun for me, and then of course we put out my signature set of tele pickups, which uh, to me I can't leave home without them. I mean, they're just I I've always thought a Telecaster or a Tele style guitar is the most um, versatile, versatile guitar that there is. Yeah. That there is. I mean, because it's basically a blank canvas. Yeah. I mean, you have to you have to coax it out of it, but it's there if you have the ability if, or, if you have the ability ear. it's not going to do it for you yep um and it, it is also extraordinarily sturdy as i always like to joke around it's like at the if there's any kind of cataclysmic apocalyptic event Your at the at, at end of time intact. there'll be cockroaches and there'll be tellies you know <laughs> and the tellies will be in tune you know so um but the only problem was in the past is you know do the pickups you know do the does the bridge pickup line up with the neck pickup or is the neck pickup too wimpy and uh, then there's of course you get a good bridge pickup on a telly and usually when they're just on the brink of mic- microphonic that's when they sound the best but then they're then they go microphonic yep so you got 60 cycle hum you've got screaming Wheeling, pickups sure. you've got balance issues so when we worked on the signature set of pickups they were like and i had obviously final say so of what these this set sounded like and um they just blew me away, and I've been using them ever since. And anytime people hear them, they're like, "Oh!" So, and they're they're selling well. So it's it's been really exciting. So, yeah. but on top of that, I've always had like this arsenal of acoustic stuff, tunes, and you know, um, ideas, tricks, and ideas, sure. whatever yeah. you want to say. But I've never really uh, flushed them out in a live scenario because. You know, to me, when I first started my own band, I always wanted to have my own band and, and do my own thing. That's why people are always like, well, who have you all played with? I was like, well, I've done a bunch of sessions and stuff, but I've always <laughs> wanted my own band, and I've been able to pull it off. So <laughs> I've yeah. been able to make a living doing my own band. So, um, But at the time I first started, I, I, was, I thought about the idea of doing acoustic stuff live, but it was always difficult because I, I knew the guy that would get like the studio quality acoustic sound live, but he had this refrigerator full of processors right? and his sound check would take three hours and he right. was speaking science physics with the <laughs> the sound engineer. And I was like, well, that's too much. And I don't want to deal with that. cost, you know, more than a mortgage payment exactly. or something. Yeah. And then conversely, there would be the other guy that would come in last minute, plug straight in and had some kind of piezo fueled yeah. guitar and it just sounded horrible, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I thought, well, those are my options, and I don't like either one of them. So fast forward, you know, a couple of decades to I start working with Fishman on these electric guitar pickups. And I'm like, well, what are you doing for acoustic stuff? So they sent me a, a Matrix Infinity pickup for my uh, for my Martin. I got an HD 28V basically, and uh, put that in there. Started messing around with the uh, the Aura Spectrum Aura preamp. You know, a couple it's plugged in, zip zap zoom. I plugged it into one of those SA220s. Now they have the SA330, but. Uh, that kind of line array, yep, awesome two-channel thing. Yep. Uh, I plugged into that thing, and I was like, 
oh my God, this sounds unbelievable. And at that time, I'd written a bunch of songs with a singer-songwriter guy who primarily played acoustic. And so we did a few duos together. And he showed up with this tried and true acoustic rig he's been using for years. And then I plugged in my stuff. And it's, I just basically I humiliated him. And it was very satisfying. <laughs> like, this is what it's all about. This is why I did this. Exactly. And so that's been really, really fun. So I'm in the midst of recording uh, an all-acoustic record. I'm going to try to get that out before the end oh, of the cool. year. That's cool. Yeah, that would be different for you. Uh, absolutely. And it's, and it's, it's different different from really anything. I mean, it's not, um, at first I was just going to do, because in these clinics I just do solo acoustic pieces and I do little medleys and so on and so forth of my own tunes and maybe some other little things that uh, might sound familiar. But uh, when I went into the studio, I, at first I thought, well, maybe I'll just do solo acoustic stuff. But then I did one tune. I was like, oh, it'd be really cool if I put this part on top of it. So I, <laughs> I instead of doing like these long solo pieces, they're like these two to three minute cool musical statements okay that are layered and okay. so and it's pretty rocking so it's and now all acoustic all acoustic you, no there's no drums what, there's you, no okay. there's no keyboards there's no electric guitar there's no anything other than acoustic guitar okay layered okay and uh and i'm really excited about it so i'm gonna i'm gonna get that out before the end of the year and then i have to record another one of these records with the organ trio so we're gonna get that out uh i put on another hal leonard uh book uh, video that just came out called Brave New Blues, and that's doing very well. So that came out a couple months ago. Okay, uh, it's got about three hours of video stuff as well as all the stuff transcribed. Um, and it was kind of funny because I had this idea of doing a blues book because the I, over the years, I mean, the way I've learned um, from the guys I've been influenced by, you know, and it's I, I gravitated to a lot of different styles, but at the at the nucleus of what I do is you know is a blues thing. You know, I've really kind of sure. honed in on you know electric blues guitar stuff. Um, and so I've over the years hyper focused on everyone from you know Albert King, Albert Collins, certainly BB King, or um, then into more of the blues rock guys. You know, from Johnny Winter to you know Steve Ray Vaughan, and certainly Clapton and Hendrix and Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page and all right. these, this cast of characters, Dwayne Allman. <laughs> um, so, but I have I, I never really wanted to uh, recreate their solos verbatim. The way I learned was is I I get it I try to get into their heads so I can speak in their vernacular. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Um, and so I've come up with little nuances, especially for the guys that play in weird tunings, like Albert King and Albert Collins. They play in, you know, F minor and the capo up and do weird stuff. Oh, wow. Stuff. Okay. I wasn't aware of that. And so to try to get to replicate their thing is difficult when you're not in those tunings. Yeah, sure. But I've come up with little ways that I, that I think sound like it. And so um, my idea for this book was to play uh, like a little tw- or 24 bar thing in the spirit of this individual okay and then i thought wouldn't it be fun to do like a mashup so i might take the style of jimmy page and johnny winter and, and put, put them, them together. together okay or albert king and albert collins and put them together so that's what the whole book is about okay and uh it was really fun and, we, and it's as i said it's it's uh, it's got plenty of video stuff where i go into detail you know about tone and right hand and left-handed techniques and okay. and all the other kind of stuff so my you know my whole thing has always been about um even though initially I just wanted to do my band and be done, right? <laughs> I just want to play in my band and play all over the place. And, and, you know, when I got out of college and I was playing with the band, it was it was doing well. Um, 
But you know what? What seems to be a lot of money in your late twenties when you, yeah, when you yeah, get when you married, start, you're having a family, you and gotta, four kids, yeah, and a mortgage, that, and a like, dog. It's like, oh man, yeah, now I need some grown-up money. Yeah, that's you know, right. <laughs> um, and opportunities presented themselves. Uh, you know, the Fender thing came as a result of them seeing me with my band. Would you be interested in doing some clinics? I'm like, sure. I don't know what that means, but, but I'll do it. Yeah, but I'll do it. <laughs> um, and then the Hal Leonard thing came calling. <clears throat> they said, would you be interested in? You know, doing some instructional stuff. So I ended up rewriting the Hal Leonard guitar method with the original author. Yep. Uh, and then I've got like 16 or 17 titles with them, whether wow. it be book or, or DVDs. That I would have never seen coming. Um, <laughs> you know, and then I started doing stuff with, with Fishman and then doing the thing with Wildwood. I mean, the Wildwood thing has been, I always joke around with people because <clears throat> after being going all over the world for Hal Leonard and for Fender especially, and doing concerts and videos, and then I've had different record deals with, you know, from Steve Vai's label back in the day to some different European labels where they've, you know, had, you know, write-ups and all these guitar magazines. All that stuff has been well and good, and I'm thankful and glad for it and all that other kind of stuff. But these videos I've done with Wildwood have been, have done more for my career in exposing what I do to to people than anything, all those things combined. Wow. Now, I, Maybe this they wouldn't have happened unless those other things have happened. Sure, but, but it's it's a it's a gradual. They're they're stepping stones. Yeah. So every time you do something like that, you're making you know one step farther in your musical journey. Right. And, and you're you know although that might not have been your goal. Right. That now exposes you to other avenues that exactly. may help exactly. you get to your goal. Kind exactly. Of thing. Okay. That's awesome. I'm sorry I've been talking. You no, probably no, want to ask some questions. No, I just keep on fine. going. Yeah, that's, that's all, Caffeine all good rules. information. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked a little bit about your Fishman uh, products that you use. Tell me about your current rig that you use for the trio okay. or that you use for, for clinic stuff. I noticed that you're using a Reverend Telly-style yes. guitar. I am indeed. Well, um, it, it's been interesting because, because I did the Fender thing for so long, um, I primarily, you know, I've always been, I've always gravitated to Telecasters anyway. I did play uh, primarily a Strat for quite a few years there, and, but I always had a Tele, and then at one point I just went back to the Tele and said, you know what, I'm good with this. And <laughs> uh, I do like Gibson-style guitars as well. I've played 335s over the years and, you know, Les Paul, certainly. Um, but amplifier-wise, you know, I always used, I always loved Vibraluxes. Yeah, it's a great amp. And, uh, and Fender came out with something called the Custom Vibralux in 1996, and I got one then. And it's it's an amp that overdrives a little earlier than a like a black-faced uh, okay. Vibralux would. Um, and, and I've used that probably on more recordings than any other amp. Uh, but I do like Plexi Marshalls, and, you know, sure. and I like various different things. Um, and when I stopped doing the Fender thing, per se, I was doing something for Fishman over in um, at Music Messe in, in Frankfurt, Germany. Sure. And the Fishman booth was right across the way from Cock Amplifiers, my same last name, right? <laughs> and I've known about their amps for years. Uh, I played a couple of them, and they were fantastic. And people would always joke over the years, like, you should really hook up with them. Wouldn't yeah, that be a, wouldn't that no be a marketing yeah. coup? So I kind of waltz over there. Well, Dolph Koch and his wife come over to me, and they said, you know, we're big fans. We've got your CDs and da-da-da. And well, we've all got the same last name. I said, <laughs> I, you know, I've played one of your amps when I was in Italy one time. I loved it. And uh, wouldn't it be funny if we worked together? Like, we would totally be into that. <laughs> so then for the remainder of that show, I used uh, one of their Koch Twin Tone 3 amplifiers, and I loved it. Then I got one at home, and I was using it all the time um, because it did – 
one of my favorite Fender amps that I used for a period of time and recorded a few records with, actually, was an amp called the Supersonic. The Supersonic 60, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. I know that amp. Uh, and what was cool about that amp is that it had a clean sound that had two different sounds to it. You could either have it be a Vibrolux or a basement, yep. right? And that was foot switchable. And then you had a lead sound, which sounded great. And then what you could do, a little trick that I figured out was you could take um, uh, a chord from the send of the return, and there were levels for, for both of those in the back of the amp. You could goose them a little bit, and if you hit the effects return button on the um, foot switch, it, it was actually it was a little boost. Yeah, okay. So, But when I got the caulk amp, it's like, it already did that. They have, a, <sighs> they have a clean channel, a boost for a clean channel, a lead channel with a boost, and then an overdrive boost on top of that. So wow, it had okay. the functionality... And plus, the clean sound was really good. I mean, it would—it wasn't real spiky as you turned it up. It would stay clean, but it would just start to compress a little bit. It was really a usable, and the overdrive sound was creamy and totally usable. Because I don't usually like overdrives on amps. I usually have to use a pedal or just crank the amp all the way up, right. which you know, it's not. You can't do that everywhere. Exactly. Um, so we started talking about what would you do for a signature amp. So I gave him kind of a recipe. I was like, I really like the functionality of this amp, but I love two tens. I'm a two ten guy. I like a combo with two tens. Um, That's I, interesting. I would like to have a little bit more of a flexible reverb, more of like a three control reverb, like was on the Viber King or like on the old tank reverbs, you know, okay. with the dwell, the tone, and the volume, right? Uh, I said, I love um, harmonic vibrato, which was the vibrato that was on the old brown Tolex amp from the from the early 60s Fender head. It's, it sounds more like a univibe than a tremolo. Okay. I said, I want that. Uh, then I want something to dirty up the clean sound if I should want to do so that sounds more like a, like a blackface amp cranked. And so they to make a very long story short, they delivered it to me, and it's unbelievable. So now we've just started to ship those, uh, and they were like, well, what should we call this amp? I said, well, we have the same last name. Let's just call it The Greg. <laughs> so it's literally The, the Greg. Greg Cock. So, That's awesome. Uh, and it's 210. It's 25 or 50 watts. It has all those features I told you about, and it's okay. all foot switchable. So lately I've been going to gigs with a cord and that amp it's ridiculous oh, that's nice yeah it's it's ridiculous i mean i hate to, i've been telling people this is the greatest combo amp that's ever been made and and i don't even care if anybody else buys it <laughs> but i got one I've got yeah one. that's right and uh, so they're just starting to ship them and people are going gaga for it so that's cool so there's okay. that and then you mentioned this reverend guitar so uh, for years um there's been talk, especially with my affiliation with Wildwood, that they were going to do a run of you know Fender Custom Shop guitars uh, with my pickups in them. Okay. Um, with, the Fishman pickups with the Fishman in pickups okay. in them. And for one reason or another, there has been it just hasn't happened. So um, I was actually sussing out a signature guitar with uh, another brand a couple of years ago, but for one reason or another, it didn't work out. I didn't like it. It just didn't make sense to do. So I backed away from it. Okay. Well, Ken Haas and Joe Naylor from Reverend. Uh, have been buddies for a while because uh, Wildwood has always been doing stuff with Ken. And um, Ken would come in with various reverend artists, and we would do interviews and talk together. And Kevin, or Ken's about my size, and we've got a similar sense of humor. We're both from the Midwest. <laughs> so we have this really good on-camera kind of dialogue. Yeah, sure. you know? And uh, we'd be at NAMM shows, and we'd do videos, and they, they would always do very, very well. And um, and I really like their guitars. I mean, they're really, really cool guitars, and they're relatively inexpensive, you know? Yeah. Um, so then fast forward to, you know, at, um, I think at NAMM we started talking, he's at, at uh, Winter NAMM, and uh, he's like, it would be really cool for you to play at like a reverend party, you know, just because we're buddies, and it would be cool. And yeah. so then we started shooting the breeze, and I said, well, really, all we would really need to do is put my pickups in a Pete Anderson 
guitar. A guitar. Yeah. I said, and that I can use that for your party, you know. He's like, no problem. So then fast forward to uh, the Dallas Guitar Show. We hook up. He's, he, I get this guitar. I start playing it. I love it. It sounds great. It plays great. Uh, and he's like, just so you know, no pressure. He goes, but, you know, uh, Joe and I have been talking, and we'd, we'd love to do anything with you that you'd want to do. You know, if it doesn't work out, no, no harm, no foul. Um, and so then fast forward another month, he wanted me to come to Toledo and do some videos with them about their uh, their product line. That's where they're based? And, yeah, and kind of like recreate the, the, the Ken and Greg show that we've been doing. Okay. So we did that, and while we were out there, we started talking about, well, what would we do together? So I gave them a recipe, and uh, and the drawings look magnificent. So now I'm awaiting <laughs> I'm awaiting a prototype, but we talked about uh, ostensibly what would be a deal, and it just seems like that's a good fit. Yeah, um, okay. Uh, on many levels. I mean... It's uh, the guitars are magnificent, and they're they're at a price point that I think is. I mean, like this guitar sells for like nine hundred bucks. Now, of course, with my pickups in it, it's, it's gonna jump up. It's a gonna jump bit. up a little but, but bit, but even still, but I mean, it's still it's very very reasonable. Now yeah. they are they are made overseas, but you know a lot of things are made overseas, sure. and, and the guitars come in. They're designed one hundred percent in the states. Joe Naylor is a genius. The guy really knows what he's doing. So he designs the guitars. They're made over in Korea. They come back to Toledo. They go through them and set them up and sure, get them ready do to a go. Final inspection, and uh, final I got to tell you, I, I treat, I got this guitar out of the box. I've been treating it like a farm animal, and it stays in tune. Well, uh, uh, the farm animal. Well, there we go. Right? We're back to the, we're back to the barnyard. <laughs> but it stays in tune magnificently. It sounds great. It looks magnificent, and uh, so, ninety nine percent sure that in January, there will be an offering with my name. Awesome. On it from, okay. From them. And is it going to be, uh, will your specs be pretty similar to what you have there? It looks like you have roasted maple neck. Well, I do like a roasted uh, maple neck. So the the neck will be very similar. The body shape will be the same, but there'll be some differences. Okay. Um, well, I, I might as well just say, yeah. I've, I've always wanted to have a slightly larger body Telecaster. I'm 6'7". Every time I play a guitar, people look at me, is that a ukulele? Yeah. <laughs> is that some kind of a smaller body guitar? <laughs> so I just want something that's slightly larger. Okay. Um, and then there's some things aesthetically that I wanted done that he did. It looks really cool. So it'll it'll be slightly larger. It'll look different. It's really a cool look. Okay. And uh, but I love the playability of the of the roasted maple. As a matter of fact, I, I bought a '53 Tele last year. Um, finally, after all these years, I one came in my sights that you know uh, it had a few different things on it that made it a little bit. It's not like totally immaculate, so it made it you know affordable. Sure, I still had a harvest a kidney to get it, but you know you only need one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and it's uh, like free money almost. Ex- exactly. You know? <laughs> so uh, I got the guitar, and this it's funny because the roasted neck reminds me more of that neck than like a relic neck does for wow. whatever reason. So I really like the roasted maple. Um, now, do I'm, you prefer a big neck, like a, a real '50s style neck? Well, what's you have pretty big hands. Well, I always had prior to this, uh, but I have guitars with different neck profiles. So I do like a big old '52U. Okay. I like a '56V. You know, I like all kinds of different things. Um, but my '53 Tele, the neck is not that big. It's it's a little chunkier. Um, but it's it's a, it's just a nice C shaped neck. Okay. Uh, or I guess it's a it's a U. Yeah, I guess it is a U, but it it's not huge. So this neck is very similar to uh, what my 53 is. So I said, I like that Pete neck. Just give me a little bit more girth okay. in the back. So it's going to be a little heftier. Okay. And then uh, I noticed you have like the full 
what was the older Fender style, like American Standard, you know, saddles in the '90s, like, like the stainless steel or something like that? Right. I, I want more of the three saddle brass. Okay. Old school okay. thing. So okay. that's what I'm going to have on mine. Okay. Because you know, Pete wanted the the six, which which functioned great, but. As, as much as kind of a cork sniffer thing when people start talking about this stuff, but I have noticed that the the three saddle brass bridges just seem to have a little extra kind twang. of bite. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, the brass is such a better conductor. Yeah, probably. You know what I mean? Better, yeah. better tone metal than yes. anything. It's really funny the, the specs and stuff. Just like what we were saying before. Every day I have guys call and email, can you measure the nut width? What's right. the radius? What's the scale length? All this kind of stuff. And um, so I played guitar since I was seven, 37 now, 30 years. I'm not saying that I'm any good or anything, but uh, <laughs> I played for a long time, if that means anything. And all my life, I've never really um, even thought about that stuff. Right. So I've just picked up a guitar and okay, that'll work for me. You right. know, I'm, like I'm you, you could way. you could hand me anything and okay, you know, you're going on stage and you're playing, you know, you're opening for Aerosmith. Here's, you know, this guitar you've never touched and right. this amp and a couple pedals. And uh I would figure it out right. and make it work and it would still sound like me. But uh I think now with the dawn of the internet and specs available everywhere and you know, obviously videos and and, and instant access to artists and, and YouTubers, people get so wrapped up yeah. in the specs that it's almost like, Well, wait, have you tried the guitar? How do you know? You know what I mean? That yeah. you don't like this combination. It didn't uh I don't know, so it's funny to hear you I like, totally Oh yeah, agree. I can I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, this it's, is it's, this. But you know, when I get, you know, obviously, I think anyone that's spent any time in a in a guitar shop these days has heard these these stories of these people that will, <laughs> you know, get new guitars and bring them back and so on. I mean, and bless them, you know, they're on a they're on a quest sure. and so on and so forth. But I've never returned a guitar in my life. Yeah, I don't think I have either. It's never I've, I've never gone to the point where I, I'm going to purchase that guitar and a couple you know weeks later just going. Uh, now I, I will say I, I have. You know, when I used to work at stores or I'm affiliated with stores and they had a guitar, well, do you mind if I take that out on a gig? And then think, well, no, I don't want want that guitar. And yeah. I mean, that's one thing. Yeah. But if I went so far as to lay money down on a guitar, yeah. Yeah. I've never I've never returned a guitar. Yeah. And, and, and I always feel like, you know, I have guitars in my arsenal that I don't use all the time. Uh, 335 is a perfect example. I'm a rock guitar player. Uh, you know, I don't... Uh, I'm not out playing jazz gigs all the time. I'm not working on a lot of blues stuff. Sure. Um, but I have this guitar in my arsenal. And every once in a while, there'll be something that comes up that I'll need it for. And I'll pull it out and I'll use it for that. And yep. so I'm glad that I have it. Sure. You know, I mean, it's different than, you know, all my other guitars and it feels different. And I'm sure that the nut width is different and the scale length or whatever. But it's a tool for a certain job. Sure. And that's it kind of thing, you know. I, I would... Even though I don't use it that much, I've never thought about returning it right. or whatever. You know? Exactly. It does a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> so tell me about what it was like growing up in Wisconsin. What was the music scene like? How did you get into guitar? Uh, did you have a good teacher there? Um, sure. Um, well, I always wanted to play guitar due to the fact that you know I was the youngest of seven kids, and my brother was the oldest, and there were five girls in between. So I had to room <laughs> with my brother, who was 14 years old, who is 14 years older than I am. So, I mean, I was born in 66. So by, you know, I went to high school in the 80s. So I, by all intents and purposes, I should have been a metalloid or into Duran Duran or punk yeah. rocker or something. <laughs> uh, but because I grew up listening to uh, what my brother listened to, 
I mean, he listened, he, you know, he went to high school from 66 to 1970. And so, and I was in the same room. So he was listening to, you know, Hendrix and Cream and, okay. uh, and the Beatles and, of course, the Stones and uh, Joe Walsh and the James Gang and, um, you know, Moody Blues and, you know, early Steve Miller and all this kind of stuff. So I really, for whatever reason, gravitated towards, uh, especially Hendrix. I was a Hendrix fanatic for whatever reason. I just, I, I remember when I was a kid, they would play, uh, I would insist they play Axis Bold as Love before I would take naps, you know? <laughs> and I did a report on Jimi Hendrix when I was in third grade. You know, I just was, wow, you know, okay. to me, the guitar player in a band, especially, the, they were like uh, the coolest people on the planet. Oh, you know totally, what I mean? Totally. And um, definitely cooler than, you know, movie stars or sports figures. Yeah. Oh, like totally. These transcendent, they were almost like religious figures, yeah. Yeah. you know? Or superheroes exactly. or something in a way, yeah. And uh, so when I was in third grade at uh, public school, they offered uh, orchestra. Now, I really wanted to play guitar, and it was rumored that the, that the gal that was teaching orchestra also played guitar, but it wasn't available, so I ended up playing <laughs> cello and... Um, and I wasn't into it. I, I remember trying to figure out a Jimi Hendrix song on the cello, and it was it did not go well. <laughs> uh, so I didn't really practice. My parents were bummed out, and that was the end of it. So back the rental went to the music store. A couple of years later, uh, it was uh, uh, band was offered, like in fifth and sixth grade. So then I decided that maybe drums, well, really just percussion. So I it was like snare yeah. and bass drum yeah. and bells, right? So I did that, and I <clears throat> I did all right at that, but I really wasn't into it. And so we d- did the rentals, took the rental back. That was that. <clears throat> so now I'm 12, and I'm like, enough of this. I, I was I was such a music geek. I mean, I knew all about, and everyone would ask me, tell us about the Beatles. Well, you know, <laughs> I knew all about them and what, you know, I knew all about the guys in Cream, about guys in Hendrix. I knew kind of, you know, a very good general history. Sure, of, you were very uh, interested right. as, as I was the same way in the 80s. Right. With the 80s bands. I sure. could tell you everything. You right. know, you read the magazines, Guitar you know, World, you know the whatever. Stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, so now I'm in the summer of seventh grade. Me and my buddies say, let's all start playing guitar and bass and we'll we'll have a band and we'll play at our eighth grade graduation. That'll be our first gig. Oh, that's cool. So that was our goal. So um, I think three or four of us started off. Only two remained. But by that following May, uh, we played at our high school or at our eighth grade graduation. And I can still remember the song. It was like... Uh, uh, communication breakdown by Led Zeppelin. Oh, nice. We did "Hey Hey You," "Get Off My Cloud," "The Stones." We did uh, "Hey Joe" by Hendrix. We okay. did uh, "Purple Haze." Um, oh, I think we did "Jumpin' Jack Flash." This kind of stuff. Um, and I that was my first gig that I played, and then I ended up joining this band of guys that were like four years older than I was. Uh, later that because I just took to it right away. I mean, I. Um, my dad was very, very skeptical because I have of the foiled of, you know, cello <laughs> sure, and percussion. And, drum, right? yeah. <laughs> and so uh, a guy across the street showed me how to play a couple chords. And I was and I, I borrowed a guitar from this gal that lived in the street who was a friend of my sister's. And I just sat around the house playing guitar all day. And I was like, Dad, come on. I really want to take lessons. So he's like, all right, I've got a client of mine who, who plays guitar. Um, and he also played bass and banjo and all kinds of stuff. He goes, I'm going to set you up with lessons for him. And he's a good buddy of mine. So if you come unprepared to one lesson, it yeah, all ends. Yeah, that's right. Right. 
<laughs> so I started taking lessons from old Harry Bauer, um, and he played in you know an old society band. He, Harry at the time was probably in his sixties, and um, he wasn't teaching you any Hendrix, probably. No, he, no, no. He wasn't Absolutely transcribing not. Little Wing or anything. No, for you. <laughs> it was definitely just right out of the method book. But after a couple of months, he went back to my dad. He's like, "Look, I can't teach this kid anymore. He knows everything that I have to offer." <laughs> so then I was like, "Hey, hey. <laughs> told you." So then I started taking lessons from uh, my buddy Bob Monagle, who I'm still friends with to this day, and uh, he's a gigging musician around Milwaukee and does uh, video stuff and all kinds of uh, different things. And um, and I remember he was totally into the same music I was into. So he was... Oh, in, that's awesome. And yeah, he's, he's about, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years older than I am. So a lot of times I'd just come to lesson, I'd, I'd just like mention a Hendrix song. I was like, can you play this song? And then he would play it and I would just watch him. And then he, he would teach me, you know, classic rock stuff. Hendrix, Cla- uh, Clapton, okay. um, Santana... Um, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And so I took lessons from him for a couple years, and then I just I was able to pick up most of the stuff off records anyway. So then once he kind of unlatched a few different things for me, I just went at it by listening to to records and learning the stuff. Uh, but then I was I would be in jazz bands, and I started to learn some jazz thing. And, and my buddy Bob recommended me uh, this book called Warren Noon's Jazz Guitar: Blue, The Blues. And that <laughs> book I've recommended to people over the years. It's very hard to get now, but it was various different twelve-bar blues. But he would get more complex with the chords and substitutions as it went on. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of where I learned all my voicings um, for most of my uh, jazz chording. Um, and then I started taking um, some jazz lessons, the Wisconsin Conservatory, uh, through in high school. I think my sophomore year in high school, I was taking some stuff down there. And then my junior year, I went to a different high school, uh, and that band director was a lot more sympathetic to my cause. The first guy was kind of a, a knob. Uh, we didn't, we did not get along. Okay, because he was one of these typical guys. Well, I shouldn't say typical, but I think we can all, we've all related to the the jazz guy who thinks any guy that bends a string is is it's a heretic. That's you right. Know what I mean? yeah. And he was one of those guys. So the other guy at my second high school I went to was much more sympathetic. And he set me up with this, uh, this scholarship to go to this jazz camp uh, the summer of my uh, fresh, or no, uh, junior year. And I went to this camp, and I met this guy who was the guitar instructor. And I was playing a telly at the time. I had a 68 Telecaster. And, um, and I could do my, my blues thing, and I could jazz it up a little bit. And I had my chicken picking thing. And he's like, you know what? He goes, if you wanted to jazz up a little bit more what you're doing, you know, you could add your phrasing, but just add some of this other stuff to it. If you listen to like Robin Ford or Larry Carlton, who I'd never heard of from Adam at that point. Oh, Larry Carlton's awesome. Right. So, too, so that's but... how I that's how I heard about was going to this camp. And so I started listening. So uh, I started playing a buddy of mine who was at that camp played a 335, and, I, and he always wanted to play a telly, and I always wanted to play 335. Having listened to Larry <laughs> at this camp, listening to these records, so I started playing a 335. So I saved money for the rest of the summer at this job I was working at, and I bought a 335. Huh. Um, so then I started um, getting into jazz stuff, and then I ended up going to the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point for jazz guitar because that same guy that taught at that jazz camp ended up running the jazz department. Oh, that's cool. Which is very unusual, first of all, to have a guitar player running a department, uh-huh. let alone one that was open-minded. Yeah. So that, that was a really good fit. Um, so I went to school there for four years, and um, I did not get my degree. My, I was st- studying uh, jazz guitar performance, and by the end of the third year, I was playing so much. I went there for four years, took all my music classes, 
you know, a chunk of my general degree requirements, but then I was in Milwaukee playing all the time or Minneapolis. So I was like, you know what? That's what happened to me. I did classical guitar performance. Right. And it got to a point where I was basically doing lessons and playing. It was kind of like, oh man, what do I need this degree for? I could just go out here. Yeah. And already, you know, making the money and, and doing it. I'd just be, you know, wasting my time, you know? But, well, uh, I, I was telling, Katie and I were talking about this on the way down, is that I, <clears throat> I, I ended up teaching at this college um, called McNally Smith College of Music in Minneapolis, <clears throat> which was an accredited music school to get your college degree from. And I just thought that was so funny because my parents gave me unholy hell for not getting my degree, right? <laughs> and my in-laws gave me, you know, are you ever going to go back to school? Like, uh, <clears throat> so then I'm doing all this stuff, making, you know, you know, making a living. And my wife didn't work for about 50, outside of the home, I should say, didn't work outside of the home for about 15 years. Careful there. She could be listening. Exactly. <laughs> and um, and I do, was all doing it, playing, playing my guitar. And then I ended up teaching at this college. So I thought it was kind of funny. It's like, I'm teaching college. I'm a professor. And I don't but have I never graduated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anybody. <laughs> exactly. Which was glorious, yeah. I have to say. Yeah, it's a good feeling. <laughs> it was a, a, a small victory. Um, so when I was researching, kind of getting ready for the show, uh, I read that you had won a uh, Bluesbreaker guitar showdown. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, I think, 1989. 89, yeah, yeah. And uh, you had a pretty awesome, intimidating judge there yeah uh, buddy it, guy right yeah yeah <laughs> well it, it was um it was a really weird thing because um i'd been playing in this band um in the milwaukee area uh which was really doing it you know i was really kind of on the circuit and on the scene and there was all kind of buzz about this band uh run by this uh this uh uh gal that sang and played keyboards and uh, she had a great voice still does and plays great keyboards and um, and I was in that band for about a year, but it really wasn't going anywhere. And I was really ambitious. You know okay. what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't wait around for this to happen. You for this to, to happen. go I like, out. I need to something. be in control. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I ended up moving up to Minneapolis because that's where my wife was living or at that time, my, my girlfriend and I was up in Minneapolis, but right before I went up there, um, I was rehearsing with this band that we were going to, another band that we were going to do. And I, I just made a recording, uh, because I was working at this music store at the time. In, uh, in the Milwaukee area, and in Guitar Player Magazine, a full-page ad saying, Marshall is re- reintroducing the Bluesbreaker combo, and they're putting the, the Marshall Bluesbreaker Blues Guitar Showdown. Send 60 seconds or whatever it was of your best blues licks oh. and, uh, and a, tape, a cassette tape in, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and that was that. And I thought, nah, what the hell? Even though I thought there's no chance that it'll even get listened to, yeah. let alone whatever. So I remember went to this rehearsal space with this band that I was kind of rehearsing with, with this bass player and drummer, and I said, "Oh, you know what? I'm just can we just do it like a blues and a? I'll just do this little intro and then we'll play." And um, I think it was 90 seconds, whatever. So I recorded this thing. We went in the next day and we recorded it on a DAT. And I went back to the music store and I said to the guy in the back in the studio area, "Look, this I have to mail this today." can you transfer this DAT recording to a cassette so I can? He's like, oh, sure, sure, sure. And he was kind of condescending. The guy was kind of a weirdo. Bless him. <laughs> and uh, so he makes this cassette to me, and there was always this gr- this ground hum on it. So you could hear you could hear the music noise, predominantly, yeah. but it, you know, it, was, it also had this in the background. I was like, thanks, pal. Yeah. But I didn't have any – I, I just had to get do? it off, yeah. right? So I sent it off, uh, and then I ended up – 
quitting the job at the music store, quitting the quitting the band, quitting this new band I was rehearsing. I'm moving up to Minneapolis. So I go up to Minneapolis. I knew some music, musicians up there that were, you know, pretty well-known guys, and they were going to help me get gigs here, there, in the next place. Things were not going according to plan in Minneapolis, shall we say. <laughs> so I, I moved up there. I'm working a day job as a debt collector, you know, oh, man. which was unpleasant. That's not a rock and roll job not at all. Not a rock and roll man. job at all. And um, <laughs> I was a very kinder, gentler debt collector. So as, yeah. as a result, I was not successful. So uh, <laughs> I'm home one day on my day off, and the phone rings, and it's this, and it's uh, uh, this group of individuals saying, "Hey, is this Greg?" I'm like, "Yeah, but this is so and so and so and so and so and so from uh, Marshall Amplifiers." Uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, yeah." You sent the tape in, right, to the Bluesbreaker Guitar Showdown? I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> well, congratulations, you won first prize. I was like, whoa. You're kidding me. I'm like, no, 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 sounds great. You're like, with the ground hum and all? <laughs> and uh, and so so then he said, uh, well, um, oh, what's that mean there? I think it's actually I can hear better now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I said, where do you want us to send your, your amp? And so I gave him the address of where I was at, and then they hung up, and that was it. Wow. And, I was, and then I hung up the phone. I was like, shouldn't I get like something that says it in writing or yeah, like yeah, an this ad? This seems or, a little weird, yeah. Uh, and I was like, and all of a sudden, a couple of days later, I get this half stack in the mail, and wow. that was that. Wow. Okay. So, um, but yeah, it was it was really weird. Now I, I should say there there were three prizes. There was a grand prize, one person won. Then there was first prize, which one person won me, and then there was like. A, a little uh, other know. prizes after that. Okay. So I don't know who won the grand prize, uh, but I won the first prize. So that's pretty awesome. That's a great thing to have on your resume. Well, it doesn't suck. No. You know, it's uh, it was a good stepping stone. It was, yeah. and you know what? And it was funny because after all these years, a couple months ago, uh, we had moved about two years ago, and all of my cassettes and CDs and LPs are in, uh, all these different storage, you know, implements. And I opened it up and I found that tape and I plugged oh, it in. Oh, no way. And I, back then I, I had a Jim Kelly amplifier. I don't know if you're ever familiar with this. No. In the late 70s, early 80s, this guy, Jim Kelly, um, made a custom amp. He, he was like a contemporary of Howard Dumble, right? Okay. So it was basically a deluxe reverb, but it had, this one it had two channels and it had a specific attenuator for it. That amp sounded like the word of God. It was unbelievably good sounding. Uh-huh. And uh, at the time, I was playing a Strat, uh, and I just the neck pickup into that amp cranked. It's it's sounding. And so I'm listening to this, going, <laughs> no wonder this one. This sounds yeah, this pretty is great. This, code. This, I this wish sound, I could recreate this, this now. Sounds, yeah. Why did I sell that? Amp? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I was like, okay, I get it. Wow. So that was okay. kind of cool to hear that again. Because, you know, you always think, well, was that any good? And they're like, oh, yeah. yeah you should pretty, do something with yeah, that. That's pretty good. You should put that on the end of a record or, or release it like you know, I on did your a, own YouTube I, I played a little snippet something. of it on an Instagram thing, and people seem to be amazed. Yeah, people yeah. Would think that's really cool. Yeah. That's actually a really neat thing. Um, what are some of your practice routines? What do you do to warm up, and, and what do you do to keep your chops up? Um, well, I just play a lot. I'm not r- extraordinarily disciplined when it comes to uh, a set regimen, but I just play all the time. So okay. I kind of, um, I kind of uh, spread my time between um, you know writing tunes and maintaining my own repertoire of stuff, um, coming up with new different ideas that'll just come basically that I flush out just from playing. Uh, I might go, time, oh, what's yeah. this? And, and then and keep working on it. Keep, keep working on that. Uh, and then I'll spend a certain amount of time um, maintaining a repertoire of tunes that I think are cool. A lot of stuff I've worked on for years and never actually got up to 
like performance level, like little snippets of songs. Sure. Yeah, everybody does. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so at some point I'll go, man, I should probably just learn it to the point where I could play it. Yeah. So I do some of that. Uh, and then I, I still find the need because so much of what attracted me to playing guitar and what continues to attract me to various different players um, is, is vibratos and phrasing and so on and so forth. So a lot of times I'll just play along with records. Okay. Um, and uh, it's very eye-opening, you know, because, <laughs> you know, the, especially different vibratos and nuances and string bends and so on and so forth. That's That to me is why I wanted to play guitar in the first place because that really – is kind of the mirror to the soul. You yeah, know what I mean? They're real expressive techniques. It's not so methodical. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I maintain that stuff pretty religiously. So, okay. uh, but there's no like set regimen, but usually when in the morning I wake up and I just, you know, I, I grab a guitar and I just start keeping time with my left foot and then I'll just start playing usually a blues and, and I'll just start, you know, playing a little chordal thing and then I might, you know, improvise over it and so on and so forth. And, okay. And then, uh, the cats will bother me, and uh, <laughs> then you're off to the next thing. Exactly. <laughs> and the kids wake up, and then uh, then the day so, begins. Then the day begins. Then the yes. day begins. So, what are some of your other hobbies or interests outside of music and guitar playing? Uh boy, you know, I I don't have a lot. Really? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I read a lot. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a student of history and uh, and various different things, and um, I, I like airplanes. <laughs> uh, and the reason why I've I've always kind of had a thing for for vintage airplanes, um, not That's... to the point where I wanted to be a pilot by any stretch, but you know my dad worked on B twenty fours, and okay. so I grew up, you know, just kind of fascinated by airplanes. And then a couple of years ago, uh, I always there's a huge air show in Wisconsin. It's an Oshkosh it's called the EAA. It's it's one of the biggest ones in the world, um, and people come from all over the world to go to this thing. And it's just, it's an airplane orgy, for, la for lack of a better <laughs> term. And uh, we started going to their uh, big Saturday night show. It runs like a, two weeks, but on the last Saturday, they it's throw this. It's a big kind of blowout. Oh, my God. Okay. And my whole family loves to go now. So really? uh, even my wife was like, airplanes? And then she went, she's like, this is the coolest thing <laughs> that has ever happened in Wisconsin. You know, she's from Minnesota, so she's got... <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> There's a little thing. Expectations are exactly. set low, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so I like doing airplanes. And, but, you know, having four kids... Um, you know that'll keep you occupied, and I and when I'm not traveling, I'm you know I'm very involved in being a dad. You know, well, I'm yeah. actually involved in when I am traveling. I've called, I've I've called in schools when I've been in I've Jakarta. I remember <laughs> calling into school. We, my wife, can you please call school and tell them like I'm you know I'm in like you know Indonesia, you know. <laughs> and I remember calling and you know can we put you on hold for a minute? I was like, yeah, yeah but it's keep costing me like yeah, it's <laughs> I'm in Jakarta, uh, so. But you know, I I, I kind of I make this joke to people. It's like you know, I don't uh, I don't golf, I don't bowl, I am not in a dart league. It's like I this this is what I do, you know. Yeah. And You're I don't I don't fish, do I don't hunt. You know what I mean? So um, this is my entertainment. Okay. And um, you know, and people ask, well, how did you accrue the level of skill and so on and so forth? I was like, this is all I do. This is what all I do. Yeah. You know, this so, is it. Yeah. Uh, and I loved, I still love playing guitar. I mean, if like I, when I'm out at Wildwood, I play guitar all day long and then I get back to, and we shoot offsite and then we come back to the store and I try out a bunch of guitars and I'm playing there. And then and I say, go home and play can guitar. I take a guitar to the hotel? Yeah. And they say, sure. So, uh, I play a lot. 
So okay. that's that's kind of my thing. But um, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, no, you yeah, know, hey, you'll never get bored because there, <laughs> there's always something new to learn, and there's always a skill you can get better absolutely. at. It's like the guitar is a never-ending process. Exactly, it really is. I mean, you, and you it's can, glorious. Yeah, and and you know, you shouldn't. Uh, a lot of people are. Uh, they want to rush through the process right. of learning and discovering. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, if you're an avid guitar player and really interested in your craft, you will never get to the end. Right. So you might as well just enjoy the ride and the process and well, soak up as much as you can. Well, one of, uh, to that to that point, I mean, a lot, I, I teach a few Skype lessons. I don't advertise them much, but they are available through my website. So they come in at a, at a nice pace that <laughs> okay. I'm not yeah, stressed out about it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I tell a lot of people of, of various different levels of, of ability. I'm like, look, nothing is keeping you from making great music or enjoyable music at the skill level you're at. It's yeah. not like at some point in the distant future. You know yeah. what I mean? Because that's what everyone thinks. Oh, I suck. This is horrible. When will I get any better? It's like, no, all you have is now anyway. Yeah. So enjoy where you're at. I mean, yeah. I used to love when I was, I would play along with, you know, Stones records and whatever else, have the amp cranked and just have a blast. Right. And you're not thinking about anything else. No. But that moment and playing the guitar, you're not worried about cutting the grass, you're not worried about the phone bill, right. you know, the dishes, whatever. You're All you're doing is worrying about playing guitar and focusing in yeah. and enjoying yourself. Exactly. And that's and, an awesome. Uh, and so that's, that's what I try to instill in other people. And just like, look, it doesn't matter that you don't know Every mode, yeah, and every, you or know, your alternate picking isn't yeah, up to exactly. the speed or whatever, you know. Enjoy where you're at, and you know, and keep working, and it'll come, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, how many guitars do you personally own? Would you say? Ah, uh, oh, boy, I don't even know at this point. I mean, I, I I've just called a bunch because I bought that '53 tally. <laughs> uh, it's hovering somewhere around 25. I okay, think. so nothing that's too just, crazy. Yeah, that's uh, at one point. Um, it was creeping about 50, um, but I, I called the herd quite a bit. I mean, <laughs> gets to a point where it's like, I haven't played this in two years. Exactly. What do I need it for, you know? Well, that was when I was doing a lot of sessions. I mean, I used to do, a, um, enough sessions that warranted, um, needing a bunch of different things, you sure. know? Oh, I need a coral sitar. I need my, <laughs> you know, uh, I need a couple different. Uh, baritones, you know, I need this guitar that has a lap steel pickup on it so I can do slide. You know what I mean? I had all these different niche things. So if someone called me up to do a session, you're like, yeah, I got the tools for that. I'll be be right there. And then, uh, and then the session thing kind of dried up, I think for everybody. And, um, so I didn't really need them. So then I was like, well, to do my thing, I only need X, Y, and Z, usually just X. (laughs) But I'd like uh, to have Y and Z too, just in case, you know? So, uh, I called the herd quite a bit. So. Okay, so about twenty-five. Yeah. Do you still get kind of pre-show jitters, or do you ever get nervous about like you know? I mean, whether it be an interview like this or playing in front of you know a clinic audience or a trio. Or... I, I really don't anymore. You seem I, pretty laid back. It's just you know, it's it's just. Um, I you know I used to get bummed out about gear not working. You know that what I mean? happens a lot, yeah. And just like, oh, what what happens if my you know pickup goes south, or not not these, of course, uh, <laughs> or what 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 happens if uh, you know my guitar won't stay in tune, or all this kind of stuff. But then I just I, I I've really almost experienced every permutation of the worst case scenario over the years. <laughs> so, um, 
I just know that um, I can get through it even if, if no matter what, no right? matter what. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, you break I, a string, you just go on. You don't use that exactly. string. You know your amps cutting in and out between a break. You go plug in the other input or whatever. Right. Yeah. You know, and you I, have to I, just connect your pedal board midway through the right. song or something. It's you know you get by. And I've been put in situations where you know you're sitting in with somebody at a big stage someplace, and they call you up on stage, and you got to play and. Um, I just don't, I don't, because I know I, I, I do my thing, you know what I mean? And I have a personality and I just, I, you know, I don't try to be, you know, better than anyone. I just try to be the best me, me that, that I can, can be. be. Yeah. And, and you uh, can do that under any scenario. You're exactly. always going to be you. Exactly. You, you can figure out a way. To so still people are like, I don't like that. I'm like, okay, well, you don't like me. That's your yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> uh, well, I want to uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to no us. No problem. My and, pleasure. Uh, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Any advice or any thoughts um, that you just want to kind of leave everybody with? Well, you know, just from a music point of view, I mean, well, it's interesting. I'm sure you've heard this and people have been, you know, oh, my God, is it the end of guitar? Is it the, you know, is, is the guitar as a uh, cultural you know, uh, icon, you know, waning in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> and, and I always say, well, first of all, there's more people probably playing guitar than at any point in history. Sure. Right. And, and if you go on, um, it, certainly we're at the absolute apex of the availability of information on playing the instrument. Absolutely. I mean, every style is documented and Free content, let alone all the really premium instructional content, buy, which yeah. I have available at greatcock.com, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and other different things that that are out there. Um, and there's and people are like, oh, young, there's great young guitar players that are that are doing different things. Now, are they doing things that are new? Some are. I mean, some yeah. are just kind of you know carrying on the torch from what has been. But the point is, is that. There's plenty of people playing and, and doing great things that I th and, and there are as much as the traditional ways of making a living with the instrument have certainly changed. Um, there are ways to be able to make a living uh, making music. Um, you just have to be open minded. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. And, and be receptive to opportunities as they come along. I mean, I never would have thought of half the things that make me the, the vast majority of my money. Uh, but I was willing and I have a good time doing whatever comes across my, you know, uh, so I basically get, I get paid to be me, you know, I yeah. get paid to say and play really whatever I want as sure. long as, of course I don't do anything stupid, <laughs> but, um, you know, and you can't ask for anything more than that. So that's what I just tell folks is that if you want to make a living doing this, you just have to be open-minded, you know, work hard, but you know, if you enjoy what you do, it's, you know, they say, yeah, you never worked a day in your life. I, I, I saw a permutation of that quote the other day. It's like, uh, do what you love to do for a living and kind of work all the time, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. I yeah, mean, and it's not really work. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, you, you, you're happy to have a guitar in your hand at any time. Right. right? right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's 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 as I think for me, I mean, it's like in the glory years of the music industry, I didn't make squat. You know what I mean? In the so-called decline, I make just you know I make a I, I make a great living and I enjoy what I get to do and I'm able to maintain a family existence where I'm not you know my kids aren't going to end up on some you know, Sally Jesse Raphael or whatever the current you know is she is she even alive, alive anymore? I, mean, I don't know. It's been a while since or Montel I've heard that. Montel yeah Maury Povich there yeah, all those people yeah, so yeah. you know like you know it's I've, there's a good balance and um, and I say people can find that too if they're just keep their 
keep their mind open. Exactly. And work hard. That's yeah. it. And work at their craft. Exactly.